stand in this place singing your praise. Us worshiping your name is agreeing with who you are. God, you're high and mighty, and we we look to you in times of health, in times of healing, in times of trouble. God, I thank you for it all. I thank you that the path you've taken each of us on has led us to you, and that there's more of you to find in, in each of our journeys. So, God, I can't help but thank you that we can sing to the God who's rescued us from death. We can sing to the God who's given us life. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
glad to be here this morning. Would you turn around and greet those around you? Welcome everyone to Crossroads this morning. We're so glad that you're here. week is, uh, is an, uh, tonight is actually an event here at the church called Ignition. This is for middle and high school students, and uh, this is a see you at the pool rally. On Wednesday morning, teenagers and students from all over the country will be gathering around their flagpoles for prayer. And so uh, we, we are hosting one of three, we're one of three sites, we get to host it. Ignition is coming in, and uh, a man by the name of Travis Deans uh, has a, a ministry that goes all over the city for teenagers, and they will have a Christian comedian here. They will have a number of people here, and uh, uh, our Ignition Band will be here. It's going to be a great evening, so I want to encourage you to send uh, your middle and high school students out tonight. It is free for our uh, for our students here at the church, so just be here at 6 o'clock tonight, and what an honor and a privilege it is for us to host that, and pray for them as they go out to the flagpole and pray on Wednesday. I want to encourage as many students to do that. The Gastonville School down here, the Ringgold North, they are going to be participating in that in the elementary level. And so I got to be down there, and they said, hey, would you mind coming out as we pray for the students? And I said, would I mind coming out? You're asking a pastor to come when there's prayer happening. So we're excited to be down there this week, and I want to, I want to encourage all of our students to go out and do that and be in prayer for them tonight. This place is going to be hopping. It's going to be exciting. It'll be filled with teenagers from all over the place. So we're looking forward to a great event here tonight. Uh, Announcement number two this morning is our women's retreat is coming up, and I'd like to encourage you to uh, women to sign up. You have today and next Sunday are the last days to sign up for the women's retreat. Stop by the Welcome Center for more information or to sign up. You can also go to our website, crsmin.com, and you can get more information and sign up there. But the cutoff is absolutely next Sunday, so we need everybody to who's planning on going to, like, uh, sign up, all right? And uh, and we'll, we'll continue on with that. They have a guest speaker coming in. It's going to be a great time as those ladies go off to Ligonier for a weekend on October 11th through the 13th. And then uh, the last announcement this morning is uh, is our Wednesday evenings. Wednesday evenings have been a total blast. It has been exciting up here. Um, we are just enjoying it. We have, have had uh, just some fun with a little bit of food ahead of time. So we know it's a challenge sometime to get here, have dinner, and then get here by 6.30. So we've been having a, last week we had pizza. The week before I was making hot dogs on the grill. So we will have some sort of food here at 5.30 again. And we'll have our tent set up outside. We'll have a little bit of food to help you along your way. And then at 6.30, our groups will meet, the men's group meets, the women's group meets, the children's ministry, uh, clubhouse kids will be downstairs up through fourth grade. They've got a new vision, new excitement on Wednesday nights down there. It's wonderful. I want to encourage you to get your kids down there. It's a, they're, they're teaching them God's Word. They're planting God's Word in their heart, teaching them how to memorize His Word. It's a powerful time here at Crossroads on Wednesday night. 
then our teenage ministries are meeting in the gym. So I'd like to encourage you, jump out and be a part of one of those groups, uh, men's groups, women's groups. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, just come up and grab a bite to eat and, uh, and, and, and rub shoulders with us. So I uh, would like to, we'd just like to see you here on Wednesday night. And uh, please pass the friendship folders down now if you, uh, if you haven't done so already. That greatly helps us. This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. And as our ushers come forward, I'd like to share with you a verse of Scripture. This is from Psalm chapter 89, uh, verse 8. O Lord, God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you, you rule the raging of the sea. Um, The waves, you rule the rising of the waves, and you still and calm them. You crush the enemy. You scatter the enemy with your mighty arm. The heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. And I just want to remind you this morning, as we come to this opportunity to give to the Lord, we are giving to Him, and He owns it all anyhow. Uh, he says that everything in this earth is His. So the mountains are His, the oceans are His, and everything that He's given to you, your income, it all belongs to the Lord. And one of the things that God teaches us in His Word is how to worship Him. And there are very few things that He gets pretty pretty particular about one of them is giving he says that we're to give like it's it's a, it's a direct way that we show him that we trust him uh, we let go we give back 10 percent of what he's given to us and when we do that it's a, it's such a powerful moment of worship and your heart grows and you grow exponentially in your faith as you take that moment of trust so if you're here today and you're our guest uh, please i encourage you let the place plate pass you by But for those that are regular in the grace of giving, you're growing here, you call this place home, I want to encourage you to participate this morning and worship and honor him in the way that he's asked us to do. What a wonderful privilege we have. Amen. And so this morning, um, just before we pray over the offering, Pastor Luke is going to be sharing the message. We're in the middle of a series, DNA, What Makes Us Special? What Makes Crossroads Unique? This is a unique place. God is doing great things in our lives here at this church. And I want to encourage you uh, as we go along this journey, take good notes today. Luke's got a lot of good things to share. And I want our hearts to be open to where God is leading us as a church. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity to give. Uh, God, in your word, you you told us like how, how, to, how to worship you in giving. And it was like real clear. And so, God, I pray now that as we give to you, Lord, that you'll be honored, you'll be adored, you'll be blessed by each gift and by the heart of each giver. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the way that you're working. And, and as, as we support your work, the, the people that are coming to Christ all over this church, all over this town, all over this world because of how we are able to just be faithful. And we do what you've called us to do, and you are faithful to do what you said you would do. God, we love you, and we thank you. We ask your blessing on this day. In your name we pray. Amen.
it. Everybody alive? We get excited about Jesus. Come on. Come on. Wake it up. Good. Um, so it's a privilege to be with you. I love getting an opportunity to open the Word of God with you all. And so this morning, we're continuing on week three of our series, DNA. What makes us unique? And it is two years this last July that my wife and four kids have been here. And this is a special place. I love this place. Hey, Timmy. Love that. Um, but this morning, I want to share a little bit about kind of how I grew up. So when I grew up, we had a, this. You may remember these. <clears throat> so a front porch, right? And my mom and dad, mostly my mom, would open up the door. She'd say, okay, go outside. And when the door opens or the sun goes down, either one, you can come back home. And so we would go outside. And, and really, the weather had nothing to do with whether we were outside or not hanging out with friends. Because it was so important that we were connecting. It was so important that we were just outside playing. And we, we did that whole thing called We Got Muddy. Most of our clothes were ruined after about three or four weeks. I mean, come on. It was, anybody make ramps in their, in their, in their, you know, um, their driveway or in the street? Anybody grow up doing that, make ramps? Like, yeah. like my brain goes, okay, let's, let's make the most, let's make the highest, most dilapidated ramp that's probably going to break a bone and then let's make it bigger and then let's go off of it. But then I'll make my friend down the street do it first. You know, I think that my parents enjoyed the front porch because we were just so entertaining as kids. You know, we're outside, and when it rained, we would play, you know, in, in each other's garages, just doing all kinds of fun things, and, you know, playing ping pong, and we listened to the radio, and I don't know, it was just fun. Like, it was just a lot of, a lot of really good memories, and, and what I'm seeing is, is, a, is kind of a neat swing, because you had the swing of people did life together, and then conveniences, and all kinds of, you know, opportunities, and things started to pop up in our world, and, and kind of called us away from real people interaction. And so I'm going to share a little bit about the history of the porch, just real briefly. And so here's some things that I found. The heyday of the porch was in 1880s to the middle 1920s. People would hang on the porch, you know, just enjoy the breeze um, and, you know, watch your kids play. And then you'd be outside and you'd see your neighbors walk over or people ride bikes and, and plans were nothing more than just to be outside and interact. And things would like happen, you know, oh, well, we didn't plan to do this, but then we would. And I just remember doing that. You know, my plan was, let's just go outside and see who's out. You know, let's just see who's available. You know, when we used to knock on doors and ask if, you know, kids could play. And I just, it was just a part of who we were. You know, and I remember, you know, engaging in conversation. Like, it was every night. I mean, Sundays, like Sunday evenings, we'd just be outside playing and interacting with our neighbors. And I don't know, it was just so much fun. And, and, and so you, you see kind of the swing to like the 1950s. When technology, you know, such as like radio and television, kind of called people away from these things. Not totally, but started to kind of give more things to, to choose from. And so people moved from having bigger porches to bigger backyards, you know, started to kind of reclude a little bit, not completely. But today I'm not necessarily seeing the porch and its physicality coming back. But I think it's interesting how you are seeing the swing where people are craving relationships. People are, I, I can't tell you, it, it's almost weekly where I hear people go, I do not have friends. I do not have an opportunity in my life to connect. Why are people craving relationships? You know, with the rise of digital, you know, digital world, which again, there's, I'm not saying it's all bad, social media, there's, there's always the good, bad, and the ugly of everything. But what you're seeing is a rise of isolation and a rise of also false community. I think that I'm connected. And honestly, I, you know, I, I really think the biggest 
situation that I'm seeing is real community. So, so why is it harder and harder today to have community? Because real community relationships are what? They're not convenient. Real relationships and real community are not convenient. I believe that soon we're going to have to have classes like, hey, here's how to invite your neighbor over, or here's how to invite somebody that you know over to your house to have a hamburger. So I'm going to share real quick. Here are the four things that you need to do in order to have people over at your house to grill. Step one, ask. I'm kind of half joking and half serious. So step one, ask. Step two, buy the burgers. I know two really great places in this area, buy burgers. Step three, turn your grill on. Step four, you have to wear these shoes when you grill. It's a very serious fact. The people growing up in my life that wore those were deemed grill masters in my life. It's so true. You know, I, I, I've honestly seen in my own life as well, community is the 30 minutes once every week or once every other week or once a month where I'm, you know, okay, I'm just going to, I've been told I need to do this. I'm going to try to find time. I'll talk to somebody for 30 minutes or I'll find this community group or whatever. But there's 160, 168 hours between the three hours that we can gather on a weekend and the next weekend. There's 168 hours, Samad. There's all kinds of opportunity to connect during the week. And so I'm not trying to give you one more thing. In fact, I'm actually trying to take one thing off of your plate because when we open the word of God, it sets us free. It sets us free. And so here's the tension I want to create this morning. Everybody wants friends. I'm not saying you want 100, but some people are like, man, I really wish I had one. I wish I had two. But nobody wants frequency. Everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency because frequency makes it inconvenient and it starts to increase closeness and it starts to increase intimacy and community. So everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency because fre- frequency increases closeness and community. So here's some questions to kind of get us thinking. How do we find community? What should it look like? Why should I be in community? Because I want to have real, authentic relationships. And the last question is, what do I need to do? Community is not a small group. So here's a myth. Community is not a small group of religious perfectionists sitting in someone's living room talking about God while impressing each other with the size of their Bible brains. That's not community. It's a myth. Community is real. It's raw. Community is messy. Why? Because people are involved. We're messy. On our best day, I feel like, you know, when we're rolling up somewhere in our van, I feel like I want to, you know, blow the horn and just be like, you know, hot mess express. It's just the life. We have good friends that say that. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. I'm not saying everybody needs to run around and be wet blankets and be like, oh, I'm always just a hot mess. You know, if I tell my wife that, she's like, first of all, thanks for calling me hot. And second of all, (laughs) I appreciate you being honest. But one of the things that I'm seeing more and more is, you know, what is real community? And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to talk about community and relationships, real life community and relationships, because those are the things that we value here. It's just who we are. And so what is community? So let's look at the definition of community. This is Webster's Dictionary uh, version of this. This is a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing in common attitudes, interests, and goals. So what's What's community relationships look like in a biblical community? It's our relationship with Jesus. It's the cross of Christ. That's the common interest that we share. It's Jesus Christ. So in the New Testament, as the early church starts to build its grassroots and it starts to get moving, you see four qualities so clear because they're in the word of God so clear. And so that's this morning what we're going to talk about because those four qualities of community and relationships 
something that I believe we really need to take to heart in 2019. So before we jump in, let's create a little bit of context here. So, so before we get into Acts 2, so if you want a pinky in Acts 2 or just watch the, watch the screen, uh, we're going to be in Matthew 28. I just want to share a little bit, create some context here, some background before we get to Acts 2. So here in, in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, so Jesus, he rises from the dead, Mary Magdalene, uh, go, Mary and Mary Magdalene go to the tomb to visit Jesus. He's gone. An angel tells them, do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. So he said, he's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you you will see him. Now I have told you, Mary and Mary Magdalene, then go. And then they encounter Jesus. I'm summarizing the best I can. Then Jesus goes to the mountain to meet the disciples in Galilee. So here's where we pick up Jesus and his disciples, and here's this, this, this interaction that they have. So the disciples know, because Jesus told them, Jesus has told them, that I'm going to go, but the, but the counselor is going to come, the Holy Spirit. So they know this, but think about it. You are doing life with Jesus. You don't want him to go. I mean, I can't imagine the disciples being like, we're on a mountain. Like, God does stuff on mountains. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. And so Jesus says to them, it says in verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Remember, real life. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Here's the Great Commission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus tells them to go to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so they're thinking, okay, you just rose from the dead. Like, this is the best thing ever, and now you're leaving? Like, come on now, Jesus. Like, what is happening? Because it even says at the very beginning, it says, then they saw him, they worshipped him, but it said some doubted. Why? Real life. Real life relationships and community. Because sometimes you have people in your circles that doubt. You have people in your circles that go, I just don't get it. And we have grace and we walk through life with them. We put our arms around them. But Jesus says at the end of it, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus commissions the disciples to go and make disciples. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So that's where we pick up. In Acts, so we have Acts 1, we have Acts 2, right when the church gets moving. So the Holy Spirit comes at the very beginning of Acts 2. And now it's time for the church to get moving. So here we read about the grassroots early movement of the church. So we're going to pick apart four qualities, and we're going to walk through the first four or five verses of Acts. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the first quality I want to talk about is this idea of devotion, right? So it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And then it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So we hear, this is the grassroots movement. So something so real and so raw. And so this word devoted, so it says they were devoted to. So devoted to the apostles' teaching, which was the word of God. Devoted to fellowship. Devoted to the breaking of bread, which could mean eating together, sharing food, and also communion. And then it says they were devoted to prayer. So what does devoted mean? Devoted means loving and loyal. Hard to find. In love and with loyalty, God's word was read and pursued. Fellowship happened with what? Love and loyalty. Eating and prayer. 
communion and eating together with love and with loyalty. And so this first quality of biblical community and relationships is devotion, devoted with love and loyalty. That's how they did life. So they knew Jesus and they wanted more. And it's not like it was safer. It's not like it was more convenient because they were, there was threat of persecution. There was threat that they could be thrown out. There was threat that they could be thrown in jail or killed. And so Jesus was their model. They modeled their lives after Christ. They, their guide was the word of God. And then community was the context. And, and, and what's interesting here is the motivation was, was less about what's in it for me and more about what I'm giving. And what's crazy is they received more than they could ever give. And so, guys, there is so, I'm going to tell you, there is so much power in the Word of God. It changes us. It unites us. When we gather under the banner and the authority of God, we together tap into something that's so much greater than ourselves. And, and, and what I love about that is this is what they devoted themselves to. And so the, there's another kind of uh, uh, synonym and kind of breaking apart of devotion, and it means no departure. Like if I'm devoted, I'm not departing from it. And it's so, so they wanted Jesus, they knew Jesus, and they wanted to know more, and they did not depart from the reading of Scripture, from gathering together, from sharing meals, from communion, from prayer. There was no departure from reading the Bible because it was the truth of God. And so that's why we gather. When we open the word, the Bible, it's all we have. We have nothing new under the sun to bring to the table that is going to change a life like the way God's holy word does. And so as they devoted themselves to the word, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And so what the early church started doing and what God still intends for all of us is that we would share together in this thing called life. What do we share? We share our love for Jesus Christ, our guide in life. The desire to worship him, our struggles, our victories, our job of of making our life count for Christ, of living for Jesus. And then we share the same joy of communicating the gospel. We share. It should be life together. It is something we share together. And that's why we stress things like life groups, meeting, connecting, one-on-one, one-on-few, one-on, you know, many, whatever you want to say. Like there's 168 hours of time to time we meet on a Sunday morning. And the following weekend, there's so much opportunity to connect and to dig deeper into the word and grow as believers in this whole thing called relationships and community. So in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says this, let us hold, and I love this word, unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. And it's not like you know, here, Luke, let me help you along. It's like sometimes we have to spur. Sometimes we have to, like, help people move. Like, I know this is probably not how you feel, but this is what we're going to do. And help spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up. This is critical in 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So what does community and real relationships take? Devotion. And then in 43, you know, what, what does this also, what we also read is that they recognize the holy presence of God. And so in verse 43, it says that, and that all came over everyone. So here we, we, we get this idea and this understanding of the presence and power of God. One of the greatest, most powerful works God can do is change the human heart toward a reverent honor of the Lord. If, if human hands cannot produce in a human being to make me more selfless, selfless. So like I move from being selfish to selfless. I've only seen in someone's life someone move from being selfish 
to selfless because of the work of God. No, you know, book that you're going to spend way too much money on that's basically saying the same thing that they've said for like 50, 60 years. It just changes the cover about best way to live your life. It's not going to change. It's not going to change your life. It's not going to change you. You know, as a father, I have four kids. I have three boys and have a little girl. And, and honestly, the last year or so, one of the things that's been on my heart the most is just am I committed, am I devoted to the word of God as I lead? Because so many times I don't feel like this is the best thing to do, but we lead by principle sometimes as parents because feelings are out the window, right? Like you're tired, you're, you know, whatever. And I'm thinking, all right, God, what does the word say? Fathers, do not aggravate your children for they will become discouraged. And so I have four or five verses on three by five cards, and I'm just trying my best to memorize them because the word changes your life. And so I encourage you to watch what happens when you gather with others and you open up the Bible. When you open up the Word of God, watch how the power of God changes those in the room. Last Thursday, we had a group of pastors that we have once a month. We gather them and we encourage them, we feed them, and we just, you know, we just keep on mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so we help and we challenge, we coach, we do whatever in this community because, honestly, some of the most isolated, lonely people are our pastors, um, ironically. And so we gather this group, and I'm telling you, there was this, I'll be brief, but there was this moment where everybody was sharing, and there's heartache, and there's, there's good, there's bad, there's ugly, and there's like 12 of us sharing, right? And so it's probably 45 minutes that we've been talking, and I look over, and I see this one guy, and he's like kind of like fidgeting. I'm like, okay, A, he's got to go to the bathroom, and he just doesn't feel right to go do it. And I want to be like, bro, you can go. B, he's waiting for lunch. Like, I don't know what his situation is. And then he leans forward, and then he does something so incredible as he just opens up the word, and he just goes... Listen, guys, let's focus on this. And I'm telling you, I watched the physical demeanor change in that room from anxiety and, and isolation. I, 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 you know, we have guys who are leading churches that don't have air conditioning, that have, you know, 30, 40 people. We have, you know, people that have churches that are a little bit bigger and have their own host of issues. And I'm watching that whole group with all the stuff they just lay on the table. I watch their demeanor change and I watch them start to lean back to lean forward. I start, started to watch their faces just find peace, and it's because the word of God changes. No human words in that situation were going to change anybody's heart. Only the word of God. And so I encourage you to watch what happens when you gather with others and open up the Bible and watch the power change those in the room. So that's, that's what we're called to be devoted to. So the first quality of biblical relationships and community is what? Devotion. So the second one is compassion. This, um, this last week, um, had a couple at our church um, that just had a baby, and the baby was in the NICU for a while. And this couple happens to be in a small group. And this small group, found, you know, obviously knew that the woman, you know, and her husband were in the hospital with the baby. And so what they did was they typically have, you know, a, a group meeting that, you know, meets in the central area. And inconveniencing themselves, go to meet downtown three doors down from the hospital so that this sweet lady can go to the bottom floor of the hospital and she walked four or five doors down to go to this small group meeting. Like I'm just, and and, and like, there was like no questions asked. And it's not like one people, one person showed up, the whole group moved and I'm watching and I'm like blown away by this. And so the second quality of biblical relationships and community is compassion. It's compassion. And so in Acts 2, 44 through 45, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. Didn't say they all looked the same. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. 
They were together. They had everything in common. The, the believers understood that their possessions, they, they were not their own. They considered them to belong to the whole group. And so community in Jesus draws us to himself. And we start off many times by going, I'm showing up to this group, to this relationship, to this thing. And we kind of come at it with more of a fork mentality. What's in it for me? Instead of a, what can I give? Instead of more of a, a hammer, more what can I build? What can I give? What can I do? And so, you know, when we engage with other believers, we begin to see the bigger picture. There's something bigger that's happening here. When it's focused on the word, it's focused on Jesus. God just draws us to something. Man, there's something bigger happening here. There's something more powerful that cannot exist if God is not the middle, is not the center, and if the word is not our guide. The commonality is not that we all look the same, but that Jesus is the center. So then in verse 45, because Jesus was the reason why they gathered, what do we see? They're draw, you know, it says that, that Jesus is the focal point. They were drawn to give away all they had. You know, For some of these believers early on, their property was all that they had. Their possessions were all that they had. They didn't have stocks. They didn't have anything. They had some of these like just physical property and physical possessions, but they just give it away. So is this a call to generosity? Sure. But community, I think, is a significant way we experience compassion. When you do life with people, you have relationships with other people, and it's centered on Christ. It is one of the most incredible ways to experience compassion. That woman who was in the small group, saw her small group go downtown to meet, she is going to be blown away by that because those ladies were not drawn to say, you know what, this is just going to look really good. But we have compassion. There's something so much greater. There's something so much more important that it would take us to relocate. I'll never forget when my mom had a brain aneurysm. It'll be three years this October. My mom's been with the Lord. And I watched my group at my old church rally around us in prayer. I called my friend. I said, hey, my mom just collapsed, and she's being um, transported to the hospital in Chicago. We were still in Pittsburgh at the time. I was actually in Morgantown. And I just remember him saying things like, okay, we'll pray for you. Can we watch your kids? Do you need money? Do you need to borrow my car? Do you, I mean, it was just... <laughs> I, I, I just saw him last week for lunch, and I looked in his eyes, and I saw the same person I interacted with three years ago, and I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away. And God will always, we will always have that in common, because at that moment, he was the hands and feet of Jesus to myself and my wife. Him and his wife are dear friends of ours. And just like that small group that met downtown, there's this idea that what we have belongs to everybody else. And you know what? There's something so much greater that drives us. And so this idea that selling property in this verse is significant because, like I said, it was all that they had. So, so the giving away, the only thing you have is massive. The drive to do something crazy like that is what? Jesus. And the goal is that we could be a small glimpse of Christ through a simple, small act of compassion. Jesus is more important than our possessions. And the needs of others are our needs. Why? Because we are one body. And so, the, the, so we have devotion, we've got compassion, and now the third quality of biblical relationships and community is frequency. So Acts 2, 46 through 47, the first part of 47, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. So let's just take a step back for a second. Does community and relationships, does it look different depending on season? I think it does but I don't think it becomes any more convenient. I mean, when you have kids, 
when they're little. It's, it's hard to take yourself to meet with other people or hire a babysitter or want, you know, um, like in our group, you know, we have guys' night. So we all go out and the ladies watch the kids and then there's a family group and then there's ladies' night where the ladies go out and, like, we watch the kids. Like, it's just you have to, you have to organize and you have to do all that. And there's no perfect way to do it. It is a little bit inconvenient. So it changes when your kids are all gone or you have no kids or I'm single or I'm dating or I'm, I just got married and we don't want to interact with people that have kids because it's like, holy smokes, like how do they get anything done? You know, there's just all kinds of things that are happening in our seasons and I think things change, but I don't think it ever becomes more convenient. You might find more time, but relationships at its core are still difficult. Community in itself is still not convenient. Jobs change, location changes. And what I'm so challenged by from the word is that the early church didn't let options get in their way. You could argue they had fewer options to choose from. That's fine. But they also had fewer conveniences. Today, options sound like this. I'll engage in community and relationships unless, and just so I can create a um, precursor, these are all of my excuses that I've had in the last you know, five, six years in doing life and relationships with people in terms of, you know, Christian community, let's say last decade, a friend calls, go to dinner. So I will go to, I will engage in community and relationships unless a friend calls to dinner. My favorite sports team is playing. I have a busy work week ahead. My weekend plans come through. In other words, we'll engage in community if actually nothing else better comes along. Come on, we're all, we've all been there. So everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency. Frequency means what? I might be inconvenienced. It might be something where I have to like be inconvenienced. And so frequency means I'm going to put a community mindset above an individualistic mindset. And so in our self-made culture, that kind of rubs us the wrong way. And yet frequency increases intimacy, closeness, and community. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong because we've all been there. We all have kids that have stuff that come out of like every part of their body. And we're like, I can't come tonight. You know, like you see that, you know, family walk walking down and like sometimes it's my family and, you know, they're like, you know, they're like blowing stuff everywhere. And you're like, you know, maybe we should like not put them in the nursery. And the nursery workers are like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, I mean, like it happens. Right. Um, and, and so I just want to just understand, like things happen, um, um, you know, things happen in your life and you can't be perfect. Again, remember our myth. It's not a bunch of religious perfectionists. These are a bunch of people meeting people right people are messy and so it says that they met in temples and in homes some seasons we find ourselves connecting with groups on the weekend like on sunday mornings or some seasons it's during the week we have to get out of our head that everything has to be on like one time on one day maybe you change it today and you're like you know what I got a guy I talked to last week who's wanting to start a group with um, guys and he's like i can only meet on friday at 5 a.m I know a guy, a pastor who works in D.C., and he told me that the only time that he can meet with people on the hill is at 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, wow. And he stopped me. He said, no, no, no. He goes, look, I will make that inconvenience a part of my life because there's something bigger at stake. And I went, okay, yeah. And I will never, so when I have these moments where I'm like, this is inconvenient, I'm thinking about my friend in D.C. meeting with you know, leaders and, and administrators on the hill to do a Bible study at 2.30 in the morning, and I'm thinking 7 o'clock at night is no big deal. 2.30 in the morning. So what about Sunday mornings at 9.30, Friday at 5, Wednesday nights at 6.30, Thursdays at 
724, you know, whatever the time is, it doesn't matter. The early movement of the church was daily, joyful, and simple. Daily, joyful, simple. Good examples for us to follow. So we have groups that meet on Sundays, Wednesday nights, and throughout the week. So at this point, I know that there's many of us who are like, I want to be in a group. I want to be connected. I want to, I want to have a discipleship relationship with like another person. So kind of one-on-one, one-on, you know, a couple, like couples, the couples, like whatever it is that you're like, man, I'm looking for this kind of relationship, this kind of community. Would you grab a green card in front of you? And would you just write, I want to join a life group. I want to join a group and then write your best contact in your name. And we'll call you within 24 hours because this is so critical and important to us as believers, as we grow and do life that we're connected. It's so important. So closeness means the relationship is more than a casual acquaintance. It's a real friendship. You can't experience that kind of relationship without what? Frequency. It takes commitment. So I'm going to read a, a, a quote by one of my favorite leaders, church leaders, just, just, a, just a all out, like, just love this guy. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he has this quote and put up on the screen. Because I think some of us have very fictitious images of what Christian relationships, biblical relationships, and biblical community is about that that's all we have. We don't actually have anything. We actually just have an image. And so he says, innumerable times a whole Christian community has broken down because it had sprung from a wish dream. Every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest. And sacrificial. It's a good quote. More importantly, let's dive into the word. Let's go back to Hebrews 10. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And here's the kicker 25 says, Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Devotion, compassion, frequency, Christian, biblical, real-life relationships and community takes frequency. I know a guy that when I first came here, let's call him Jim. He, um, not Jim Watts, but Jim, Jim was in my office like every day. Uh, but Jim, he pulled me aside and he said, he, he just got to know me. He took me out. He took me over here to the gun range. He got to know me. And I was like, I was blown away. He doesn't even know me. And every week now we talk. And I saw him last night, and he's starting to tear up. And I just said, you grabbed me. You welcomed me. You made me feel welcome. We were in totally different seasons of life. When we first were here, you know, two people invited us. Ken and Rhonda were leading a life group, and they invited us into it immediately. And so my encouragement to you all is, is be connected. Get, get into a group, whether it's a couple with another couple, or it's one-on-one, or it's one-on-few. You know, I just cannot stop meeting together, and more importantly, meeting together to go through the Word of God, to connect with other believers, to connect and have real relationships and real community. So the fourth one is growth. So we've got devotion, compassion, frequency, and now growth. And so in Acts 2.47b, so right at the end, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. So we have this incredible honor of participating in the work of God. 
And I love how comforting this peace and truth is, is that God adds. God grows. On my best day, my greatest deeds, Scripture says, are nothing more than filthy rags. God grows. When we have trunk or treat and we have it in the parking lot and we put all this stuff together and all this time and all this effort, whether God brings four or God brings 400, God adds. God added you to be a part of the church. God added me to be a part of the church. And so here's, here's some truth I want to throw at you. Man has plans. God has power. Just think, like I, like I just mentioned, the Lord added you to this church. The Lord added you to be a part of this church. So, so why should growth be a quality of real-life community and real-life relationships? Because the world so desperately needs to see a community of believers anchored in love and in unity. John 13, 34, 35 says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The drive is Jesus. He's why we gather. Jesus is the banner under which we unite. Jesus is the source from which we love each other. They will know you are my disciples if you love one another. First John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Anyone who does not love remains in death. John 17, 20 through 21 says, this is Jesus speaking. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I'm here to tell you that on our best day, we can barely save seats at a Christmas Eve service. God saves I don't know about you, but when I have a relationship with someone and I'm talking and I find out they don't know Jesus, I am immediately brought to a point of peace because it is no perfect amount of words, actions, what food we ate that is going to save that person, but it is only the work of a living, active God. I'm only stepping up and saying, all right, God, I, I'm, I'm going to be there. God saves We are called to love and be unified. We are the house for the light of Jesus Christ. God saves. God is the one that does the work of saving. Growth is a quality of Christian community because when we follow the the example of Acts 2.42 through 2.47, God takes care of growing the church. So let's, 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 let's start to land this plane a little bit. So everybody wants friends, but nobody wants frequency. Frequency, frequency increases closeness and intimacy in community. So we want community. Seek frequency. Don't stop giving up. Or don't give up. Don't stop meeting. Keep meeting. Keep showing up. Let us be devoted to the word of God. To gathering. Let us be um, compassionate towards those in and out of our community. So there might not even be people in your season of life or in, in, your, in your community. They might be kind of like, you know, out of your circle. That doesn't mean we're supposed to be less compassionate. Let's be, let's be compassionate towards those in and out of our community. Those who are in our circles are not. Frequency. Relationships are not built in a night. Don't stop meeting. Don't stop showing up to small group. Don't stop showing up to the class or the group that you're in. Or don't stop showing up on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning or when you're meeting with someone to, to study the word. Don't stop meeting. Don't give up. Don't stop meeting. Keep gathering. Do as Hebrews 10.25 says. Do not, give a, do not give up meeting together as some have done or some are in the habit of doing find a group find one find a few 
And then the last part is growth. God will add. We need only to keep focusing on Jesus and pursuing him. Christian community needs more loyal people who don't give up. And I know some of us here have been looking for community. We've been looking for relationships. Please let us know. Please grab a green card. We'll follow up with you in 24 hours. I'll call you. Ken will call you. One of our staff will call you. But it is so critical that we have somebody else, have a group to do life with, real life relationships, real life community. And some of you have been searching for that something greater, and God brought you here today. My challenge this morning is to come to Jesus. Remember that first quality of biblical community, devotion? That's how the early church did it. Jesus was the model, God's word was the guide, and community was the context. That's how we do relationships and community here at Crossroads. Jesus is the model. God's word is our guide. Community is our context. Jesus is all we have to offer here in the holy word of God. So would you come to him this morning? Let's close. Jesus, we love you, and I'm so thankful this morning that we can just come before you, that we can acknowledge, God, that you are God and that we are not. And, God, as we open up your word, we read about the early church movement. We read about the grassroots movement of your church. And, God, here we stand in 2019. We are craving relationships. We're fighting isolation. We're fighting anxiety. We're fighting depression. God, we're fighting so many things that we feel like we have to be by ourselves. God, this morning, I pray that it doesn't have to be this overnight flip from one thing to the other, but maybe, God, it's just one more person that we start to talk with or we join a group or, God, we even just venture out to say, I, I, I want to make a connection here and we fill it out on a green card. God, whatever the next step is for someone, I pray that, God, as your people, that we would help each other out that as we devote ourselves to your word, to meeting, not giving up meetings, to your word, to prayer, God, as we, as we keep meeting every week, as we show compassion, God, and as we just look to you, the God of the universe, and we just keep doing what you've called us to do, and we know that, God, you will bring who you want to bring, and we will welcome them. We will acclimate them. We will get them connected. We will do our best to, to be Jesus to them. God, I just pray this morning, if there's anyone here who is looking to, 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 to that something greater, that they're craving relationships and they're struggling with isolation, going, man, I just don't know what the answer is. I know that the answer is to the hole in our heart, the need for something greater. That's only you, Jesus. And so, God, if there's anyone here this morning, I just pray that they would just, they would just come to you. And it's something so simple as, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I give my life now to follow you now and forever. Thank you for loving me, for saving me, for finding me, for giving me hope and purpose that's only found in you, Jesus. And as I follow you, change me. Make me more like you. Get me connected with other people who can push me to you, push me to the word, help me be devoted. God, I pray we would be devoted as we do life together, as we have relationships, as we have community, that we would be real and authentic because you, God, are the center of all that we do. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We ask all things in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. Would you stand this morning as we close? Sing, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are 
Say yeah.